Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly podcast in which we talk about the secrets behind living the life you've always dreamed of. I'm Ellen Barton, and today my guest is Emily O'Brien. As the founder and CEO of Earth Angel, Emily is an entrepreneur with a purpose. Earth Angel is a company that works with film and television crews to ensure that environmentally friendly practices are followed in the studios and on locations as much as possible. Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Ellen. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. When I first heard about your company, I thought, wow, that is just a cool idea. Yes, uh, it's a cool idea. It's, it's a very uh, unique and, and niche sort of idea. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, quite a journey so far and excited to share more with you. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's great because I have lots of questions. And at Earth Angel, you have a slogan that I found on your website, on your video, and it says, uh, making movies without making a mess is kind of what you're about. And I was curious, what is it, in your opinion, about film and television production that is so inherently wasteful? Why is this a problem industry? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, You know, we are essentially a transient industry. Um, You know, nothing is really built to last. Um, You know, at the longest, you might have a television series run for... Um, you know, seven or eight seasons. Um, well, that's not true. I guess Law & Order is still going on like season number 20, but they're an anomaly. <laughs> um, so uh, essentially, you know, we're, we're this traveling circus of an industry and, um, and with that transient nature just comes lots of disposability. Um, and so whether it's the, the physical sets that we're constructing Um, you know, that maybe get used for an episode and then, you know, sadly get tossed um, to the set decoration, to the props, to the costumes, um, to the sheer amount of food and and water it takes to, you know, keep uh, crews hydrated and and well-fed, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people at times. So um, it's, it's a huge industry and its footprint is something that hasn't totally been captured and monitored. Um, and so we're still kind of at the forefront of that, but, um, the slogan itself, making movies without making a mess is something that, uh, resonates with a lot of people who work in the industry. <laughs> they sort of have this moment of, aha, yes, the mess. Like it's just something that kind of clicks and resonates. So, um, yeah, it, it, uh, it, it's, it's working as a tagline for us. <laughs> yeah, well, I like it because it's very straightforward. It explains what you do. And you, so you yourself didn't, um, maybe when you were a, a wee child, didn't dream of, of having this particular company, I would imagine. It was more um, brought out of, um, I guess, recognizing a need for your service. But you were a film student, is that right? That's correct, yes. Yeah, and what did you think you wanted to do before you started this company? I was sort of dead set on becoming a producer, um, and I I really liked producing because I liked the logistical arm of, of this creative sector, 
Um, and, and I liked film and TV because I saw it as sort of the, the ultimate medium in terms of all of these different artists and, and craftspeople coming together to like create a unified vision. Um, and more, moreover, what really, um, I guess, moved me to, to pursue filmmaking in terms of career was I always saw it as a very powerful vehicle for change. And, um, and I, I really wanted to help create socially and environmentally conscious content um, as, a, as a way of educating audiences and, and inspiring them, you know, uh, into action on, on di- different socially and environmentally relevant causes. So, um, and then I, I kind of got into the industry and realized, oh, wow, there's this whole level of accountability that's kind of lacking in just the physical production and practice of our industry. Um, and I started to explore what was, um, you know, available and, and it turned out not a whole lot was available. And, uh, and then I sort of started greening sets right out of school as, um, you know, really just, a, a not knowing where it would lead, but then more and more producers kind of called me to keep greening their sets. And then before you knew it, I was starting a company. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's cool just because, you know, seeing the need and just jumping in and doing it, it, it's very interesting to see where it's led you, and I want to talk more about that. But you just used the term, you said greening their sets. So can you explain a little bit more about what that means, what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, the carbon footprint of, of film or television production um, is, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of different components of it. There's, you know, everything from commercial air travel to electricity usage and, and, um, and just utilities, natural gas, heating oil. Um, there's the, the, you know, physical waste element. There's, there's helicopters and charter flights and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, what we are trying to do first and foremost is to accurately track what that footprint is, um, you know, cause you can't manage what you don't measure. Um, so the, the measurement and, and the analysis part is, is key. Um, but then beyond that, we also have a very specific concentration on zero waste. Um, and zero waste in the sustainability community is often defined as um, diverting 90% or more of your waste stream from landfills. Um, and so because we are an intersection of a lot of different types of industries, um, we have to be very flexible and very knowledgeable about pretty much every waste stream under the sun. So whether it's construction demolition waste, whether it's organic, uh, electronic waste, textiles, um, reusable materials, donations. So we work with different partners on the ground, local charities and communities. We try to pair um, those that are in need of material with our excess material. Um, and we also do all of that tracking and, and, and monitoring and analysis for the shows as well. But your work, so your work is obviously much needed and important work, but these film um, productions are not just hiring you because they're so altruistic and so kind-hearted. They're, you're actually saving them money too. Exactly, exactly. And um, you know, I think in the, the chaos, if you will, of um, making a film or a series, uh, you know, the, the focus is really on getting this project done on time and in budget. 
Um, and oftentimes it's, it's faster, it's quicker, it's simpler for people to just kind of dispose um, rather than considering more responsible methods of resource management. And what we're you know, trying to educate our industry on is that being more sustainable really means being more resourceful, right? It means, it means doing more with less. And um, we understand that the, the coordination of that is often more than what um, a typical crew member can take on in addition to their, you know, their other tasks, which is why we come in and say, let us, we want to do this for you. Let us do this for you. Um, so we really pride ourselves on the interpersonal aspect of, of what we bring to the production. And through our analysis, we're showing time and time again, that it is saving money when it's done properly. You know, the cost to haul waste in New York city is, you know, quite high. Um, so by eliminating the need for entire dumpsters, you're saving right off the bat, not to mention the tax deductible value of the donations that are being made, um, or eliminating plastic water bottles or energy savings. So, um, you know, but it, it goes back again to that adage that I said, you can't, you can't manage what you don't measure. And so, um, often th- there are savings that people don't even understand that they have the potential to to unlock. And that's what we're, we're trying to show folks. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and you had quoted me a, just an example of a price of like how much a film could save. And I don't remember what that number was, but it was impressive. Yeah. Right. Our current analysis, you know, we're, this is always being updated based on, on our sample size. And obviously the more projects we get, the more accurate it becomes. Um, but right now our, our cost benefit analysis is showing that, um, you know, on average, our productions have the capacity to save just just over $100,000 in each of these various categories. Um, so, so certainly, you know, the cost to pay for an environmental consultant um, would be more than covered in that type of savings, um, not to mention there'd be a net savings on top of that. So that is, that is often a, a key element of our pitch is that we can pay for ourselves and not many other departments on a film set can say that. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And does the film or production get some kind of seal of approval of being a green production or is, is that such a thing? There's a, a couple of different seals that, that are out there. One is through the Environmental Media Association, which is a, a Los Angeles-based nonprofit organization. Um, they're primarily focused on encouraging sustainable behavior on screen, really promoting sustainable messaging through content. Um, but they also have this green seal element um, that uh, productions can apply for. So our productions get a green seal across the board. Um, but then there's also New York City has one through the mayor's of uh, sorry mayor's office of media entertainment. Um, they have the NYC Film Green Initiative, which is actually a program that we um, were contracted with the city to help um, to start and, and to, uh, to put together here in, in New York. So um, that has a little bit more stringent quantitative analysis behind it, but it's the same premise in, in that shows meet certain criteria and then they get this NYC Film Green logo to put in their end credits to kind of tout themselves as being green. Um, but we kind of want to take it ideally to the next level in terms of um, potentially putting a monetary incentive behind these seals and these certifications because that 
you know, of course, is uh, the primary motivator in most sectors is if you put dollar signs um, behind something, folks are much more willing to, to get on board. So um, we're seeing this happen in a few different regions in Europe right now in terms of how they manage their film funds. So we're, we're optimistic that, that one day that will um, transfer here to the U.S. as well. Yeah, well, that was one of my questions. So maybe this is a good time to um, to go there. And I know that you just got back from Europe, so I'd love to hear a little bit about that. But um, I was curious about this type of awareness and um, work that you do around sustainability in the film and television industries. I know you've spoken on this topic throughout Europe and just got back from um, the Cannes Film Festival, which is really cool. So um, can you give just some perspective on, are they like far more advanced than we are with this type of thing? Or are are they better at some things and not so good at some things? Or how, do you, you know, get a lot of ideas when you're over there? What, How, how does it stack up? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think it's different, right? The approach is different. And, and I think there are things that they're doing better. And I think there are things that we're doing better. It just, you know, sort of, you know, first of all, I think the primary difference is the way that our projects are funded. You know, ours are funded primarily through private corporations, large, you know, corporate studios. Um, whereas a lot, they have uh, much more um, higher access to public creative funds. So um, most of the, the film funds there are through the public sector. So um, with these sort of ambitious public sector goals of, um, you know, sustainable cities and, um, you know, overall carbon reduction and so on and so forth, I think it's, it's infiltrating the European um, uh, film funds and commissioners a little bit more because they're directly connected to these um, public entities. So that's a, a you know very big distinction. Um, but on the other hand, you know I think one of the things that we're we've been really successful at and why I've, I've been participating in you know panel discussions at, at the Cannes Film Festival, at the Berlin Film, film Festival, in the Netherlands. Um, is because we have a really great bottom-up approach. And I think with most movements, you kind of have, um, you know, what, what it's ultimately going to take is a sandwich effect, right? You need, you need policy and you need people at the top, you know, championing this, but you also need the people doing the work every day to get behind it as well. Um, and so, uh, I think the the best of both worlds is kind of fusing those things. And because we have a really great bottom-up approach, um, you know, we're often brought over to Europe to kind of discuss our findings and, and methodologies. But, you know, the scope of the projects are quite different. Um, sustainability, uh, what's accessible in terms of sustainability, you know, varies drastically by geography. Um, you know, for example, they have access to hydroelectric power in Vancouver that we just don't have here in New York. Um, or, you know, the electric vehicle infrastructure that a lot of cities in Europe have that we don't have here in New York. So um, lots of differences. But I think because of how uh, diverse our, our stakeholders are, it's important that there are different solutions and that we're continuously kind of collaborating and 
um, and sharing those best practices. So, you know, obviously environmental issues are not, um, they don't stop at the border. You know, there's, mm-hmm. we all are sharing air and, and um, in a lot of cases, water and other resources. So has your work, um, you said some things aren't available here or some things we have aren't available in other places. Has it kind of given you a, a broader perspective of the earth as, you know, we should be doing more of this or, or um, anything like that? I, I don't know if I'm phrasing this question well. Do you understand yeah, what I mean? I do. I do understand what you mean. And, then, and I think you're right. It's that, that connectivity, I think, peace is often forgotten, you know, and, and this is something that I bring up a lot when I give presentations or, or, or keynote discussions is this, you know, very real psychological hurdle that we have um, as a society, but I think that is exaggerated in our industry. Um, and it's a concept that uh, I like to refer to as cinematic immunity, um, which basically boils down to this, you know, concept that we, as an industry, tend to get so involved in the making of our art and, and our projects that we forget that our actions have consequences on the outside world. You know, we, sometimes we even forget that there is an outside world. You know, when you're working 16, 18-hour days, um, you know, on these projects, it's you often get sucked into these bubbles. Like, you don't even know what's happening in the news or, or in your, you know, household even. Um so it's uh, it's a real it's a real psychological hurdle, and it's something that we're constantly trying to um, you know inform people of and and empower them with the knowledge and the skill sets. And you know, I I truly believe though, like with um, the the way the Times Up movement has started in our industry, and and this level of accountability that's being raised in terms of um, the the social aspects of our industry, you know, I'm I'm really optimistic about that um, because I think it's a huge turning point for us, and I think that the more folks realize that social issues are sustainability issues, um, you know, sustainability is is social and it, and it's environmental and it's about making our industry and our societies more sustainable and progressive and inclusive and having that be reflected in, you know, the mass media and what people consume. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really important to remind people that we are all connected, um, and that we're, there's a ripple effect, you know, no matter where we, where we're filming, no matter, um, you know, what, what the platform is, it, it has consequences and, and there needs to be a level of accountability there. Yeah, and and like you're talking about these silos, um, and you're also talking about the film production being so transient, so they may only be in a community for a few weeks or a few months um, at a time. So is there any way to have a broader, more long-lasting impact in a community, or have you ever thought about branching out somehow or collaborating with any other companies or corporations or um, entities outside of film and television, or is that just beyond the scope of what you are focusing on as a company? Oh, absolutely. I think there's a lot, a ton of opportunity for, for partnerships in that realm. I mean, a perfect example is, 
you know, we're exploring partnerships with um, uh, carbon offset companies um, or, you know, sometimes uh, productions will set aside a small amount of money for um, what we call a legacy project. Um, so maybe they, they plant a tree for every day of filming um, or maybe they give back to a, a local community gardening. Um, you know, we donate the excess wood from the show so they can build planters for this community garden. You know, lots of different ways that, you know, I think we, we definitely are, you know, trying to uh, encourage having these, these lasting positive impacts. Um, in communities, and I think that's that's really important too for for our industry to feel like they are stewards of our communities because you know film and television is a huge industry in in New York State. It you know brings about eight point seven billion dollars to the local economy, and you know that with that uh, level of you know. Um, industry, I think, comes a certain amount of responsibility. Um, and so, you know, I know a ton of New Yorkers are kind of jaded by the fact that they're filming in their communities all the time. And, and I get it. it. It can be an inconvenience to have your parking taken up or streets shut down or not be able to walk on a sidewalk. Um, and I think one of the really good ways to combat that for, um, you know, city film commissions is to, you know, show that a lot of these productions are giving back in, in different ways. And, um, you know, the mild inconvenience for you to walk an extra block may have, you know, resulted in, uh, you know, a huge amount of food being donated to a, a local food bank or shelter, for example. So, um, but yeah, the, there's, there's definitely some misinformation or, or, um, miscommunication, I think when it comes to those efforts and I, and I think we can do a better job of strengthening them too. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, how do you get those stories out there? Because obviously they're really important to generate goodwill in the community or, um, just awareness because, you know, so much of this, I, at least, I'm just thinking back in my lifetime, the amount of awareness and action around environmental protection um, is like day and night. Like it, it's, it hardly was talked about very much at all when I was growing up. And uh, now most people are aware on some level that they need to be doing something, whether it's just recycling or cutting down on their plastic bags or, you know, whatever it is that they're doing. Um most people, I, I hope, are doing something these days. Um, so is there, have you been successful at getting that message out there in the communities where you're filming or where the, where the crews are filming just to let them know that there is this residual positive infa- impact on their community um, that they may not immediately be aware of, you know, but it is happening? Yeah, I mean, I think we could definitely be doing a better job of that, um, you know, as as a business owner, we tend to be so kind of focused on the messaging that is going to our clients. Um, And, you know, because this is a service that is, you know, this is not, nobody mandates this, nobody incentivizes this. um, And it's still something that there's traditionally no line item for in, in most production budgets. Um, It's, you know, still quite a struggle to just get productions on board um, with this, this new method, you know, and, um, 
So that's kind of where a lot of our energy, unfortunately, has to go right now, right, mm -hmm. until, until this is the norm. We know, we know it will be one day. We know that all sectors are moving in this direction. We know that, um, you know, millennial consumers are simply not going to um, support, you know, companies that aren't, don't have some kind of socially or, or environmentally conscious product or messaging or, or you know, um, initiative. So it's, uh, it's the future. And um, so in a way, we're, we're a little ahead of our time, which is a little bit um, can be, you know, a struggle as a small business owner. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, we, we could certainly use the help of a PR firm <laughs> to make a long story short. I wouldn't have a recommendation for you, but I'll, I'll talk to you offline. Um, because it's a great story. It's what attracted me to want to talk to you in the first place. It's just, it's, I think you said it earlier. It's not just a business. It's really a movement that you're spearheading. And it's important, you know, and it does have this ripple effect. And yeah, you know, film and television, it's, I guess, in some ways, it's like a luxury thing that is, um, or most some people wouldn't say that. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's, um, I, I, I want to think how to word this, so it's not insulting to people that work in the industry, because many of them are my friends. But, you know, it's, it's not something that everybody is a part of, I guess. And um, yet your work is important and it does obviously go way beyond just the insular world of the people working on the films. I guess, I guess that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Oh, Emily, we shouldn't do interviews on in the afternoon without enough coffee because I, I really like have these thoughts in my head and they're just not coming out as eloquently as I perhaps hoped. Uh, I'm also a little caffeine deprived, so I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> oh, but I do love your concept, and and like you said, it's a new kind of business. Um, so I was wondering about that too. Do you have, um, you know, some of us? My core business is a video production company, so there's, I can look at other video production companies and kind of analyze what they've done well, what they haven't done well, and and base some of what I'm doing on people that have gone before me, but you're kind of like a pioneer in this industry. And I'm sure there's opportunities and challenges that come with that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I can't tell you, Ellen, the amount of times we've gone back to the drawing board in terms of actually figuring out what our business model is, what mm -hmm. our, our pricing structure is. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't have the luxury of being, you know, uh, a new restaurant that's opened up and, and can look to other restaurants for, um, you know, some, uh, some kind of a blueprint. Um, so that's been incredibly challenging. Mm -hmm. um, I think it is the fundamental challenge that, that we've experienced as a small business. But, you know, I've, I founded the company in 2013 and, you know, every year we've experienced growth. You know, sometimes it, it hasn't been a lot, but, but every year there is growth. And I think that um, like any, any company that is um, slightly ahead of its time in, term, in terms of the product and market, um, you know, alignment not necessarily being synced together in, in the immediate, you know, you just, you have to kind of power through really pay attention to your customer 
also, you know, understanding their pain points. Um, that's been huge for us in terms of how we've pivoted and, and we've grown. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that is a, a constant state of evolution, basically. Yeah, I'm sure. But as you said, the trends are all going in that direction. So you shouldn't be worried about it. I'm sure that you will continue to grow and, and adapt and everything. Hey, do you think you'll ever expand outside of just working on film and television? Um, I think there's a lot of crossover potential for other entertainment sectors, um, whether it's music or concerts or fashion or sports, um, uh, I think, or just, you know, live events or, or what have you. I think the, um, the model of like a transient situation taking place and lots of people coming in and out and, um, and making a mess (laughs) basically, uh, is, is still applicable. And so, um, I don't think, you know, I don't really have any intention of straying outside of the entertainment sector. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll put it that way, but I I think getting into other realms of entertainment would, um, not be a bad idea potentially one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you guys are, are, um, able to work all over the place, really. You're not limited by geography. No, not at all. I mean, we're based out of New York, but we, I've gone as far as Africa to work on a project. You know, if, if a, producers really that enthusiastic about it, you know, we've, we've definitely made it happen. So, um, yeah. And, and definitely not limited by geography either. Yeah, that's great. The other thing I loved about your story is that it's such an, um, inspired, you know, you, you were inspired, your business was sparked by inspiration and I, I, really appreciate that and love that. And, um, this podcast speaks to many people who, um, frequently have sometime in their life, you know, taken the safe road and maybe gotten stuck into a routine of a job that they don't love and they're looking to make a change. And sometimes they, they do like you right out of the gate, you know, do something that is aligned with their passions and, um, and it may not always be easy. I I appreciate that you acknowledged that there are, you know, it's not that it's this uh, very super rosy rainbow unicorn fairy, you know, road all the time of happiness and joy. Um, having a business is is hard sometimes. Um, but do you have anything, can you speak to that? Like doing something that is really important and that is aligned with your personal beliefs or your passions? Yeah, I think that I've always been motivated by wanting to make a difference and and wanting to make a change. Um, I think that the uh, entrepreneurial path was definitely not something that I um, envisioned for myself. You know, when I was younger and in in school, um, it's kind of something that happened to me. (laughs) And Um, and I'm, and I'm grateful because I think that I was, I was listening at the time and, um, you know, had that, had the, the opportunity of that knocked at my door and I hadn't been listening. Um, I don't think earth angel would be here. Um, so yeah, I think that it's, uh, it's definitely something that while, the, the woes of entrepreneurship can be very stressful at times. You know, I also feel so incredibly grateful because I get to wake up every morning with a fire in my belly and like excited about 
how I can, um, you know, make a difference. At my core and in my nature, I'm very much an agitator. Um, you know, if I see a system that doesn't really work or if I see, um, you know, a problem, I ask why. And, and oftentimes, you know, when, when you ask those questions, they lead to opportunity. And, um, and I'm just, I'm fortunate that I have that as my nature and, and that it ultimately led to this opportunity for me. Well, it was beautiful the way you put that, where you said you were listening and you were open and then willing to take action around what you heard. That's where I think a lot of people get hung up. And um, I'd like to congratulate you for doing that and really following your heart uh, on building your business and, and all of that. Um, is there anything that you find yourself um, going to when things get tough? Is there, you know, how do, how do you get through those times? Because everyone who has a business has been there or is there from time to time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, if it's a quick fix, I get on my phone and I FaceTime with my eight-month-old niece. she always brings a smile to my face um and sadly she lives all the way in Florida so I don't get to see her that often but um so you know going just you know getting on the phone with with my sister or um you know something like that can go a long way for me in, in terms of my support system um but you know I think it's really important as entrepreneurs to um, prioritize our own mental and physical wellness too, because that was something that was a real eye opener for me going through the Goldman Sachs program when we had to kind of resource map and, and the question was posed to us, well, did anybody put yourself on your Mm -hmm. resource map? Um, and I didn't, but it was one of those things where it was like, wow, if I, if I am not healthy, my business is not healthy. Um, and so even if it's my, you know, getting to my yoga or, you know, getting on the phone and, and, and catching up with, with friends and, and support system like that. Those are really, really important things that ultimately help the health of my business as well. Um, so yeah, I would say those, those are things that, that I tend to, um, you know, turn to in, in times of need or, you know, also there's like, ice cream and Netflix if it's like <laughs> also <laughs> important <laughs> yeah yeah but I like how you said that like it's it's not being selfish to get to that yoga class or take care of yourself it's it's absolutely mandatory when yeah. you are the person driving the business you know everyone's depending on you to be there and be healthy and be present yeah. and level-headed so um yeah that that's a good reminder I appreciate that and Emily, I, unfortunately, we're, we're running out of time. I wonder if there's anything you want to leave us with, anything we didn't get to talk about. Favorite moments at Cannes? Oh, well, Cannes was amazing. I actually got to get on the red carpet for a premiere, which was incredible. A friend of mine had an extra ticket, so I wasn't expecting that. So it was a very, very nice surprise. Um, unfortunately, though, it was the year when they, the selfie ban <laughs> into place, so I have no pictures of me on the red carpet because there were aggressive guards um, who would take away your phone if you went to take a selfie. But um, 
so yeah, that, you know, just, and, and just being at Cannes, it's, it's incredible. The French Riviera and all the hustle and bustle and, um, you know, I, I got a glimpse of Marion Cotillard. It was, it was fabulous. It was really, really spectacular. Oh, that's wonderful. And that's something you can tuck away for when your business gets tough. You can remember that as one of the, the good times. Oh, absolutely. Yes. No, that's wonderful. Well, thank you for being with us, Emily. I, I really love your business model. Absolutely. And I'm completely believe in what you're doing. So I appreciate you talking about it today and sharing some time with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Ellen. Yeah, it was a great pleasure. Um, thank you again. And thank you all for listening to the show. My guest was Emily O'Brien. She's the founder and CEO of Earth Angel. You can find out more about Emily and her work and her business on our website, readysetgrit.com. Thanks for listening and check us out again next Friday as we share more information and inspiration to help you turn your daydream into a phenomenal success. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our eBooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit, inspired actions, real results.